Are you looking for a job? Or do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Friends of the Web in Baltimore, Maryland is looking for a web developer and an iOS developer. We've also got positions from NPR, 18F, and the U.S. Digital Service. So check out the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs and find your next job today. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and this is episode 99. So you know what that means. The 100th episode of the podcast is next week. Super excited about it. So check this out. I want you to be part of this milestone episode with me. Send me your comments by October 9th, and I will feature them during the 100th episode. You can send me text. I'll read it during the episode. Or you can send audio like voice notes. But please keep the voice notes under one minute in length. Again, send in those comments by October 9th, mail at revisionpath.com. Really want you to be a part of this. Now let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp is the premier email service provider choice for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Join more than 7 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 500 million emails every day. Sign up today at MailChimp.com. Need a new domain for your next project? Check out Hover. Each domain comes with free private domain registration, unlimited domain forwarding, and world-class customer support. They've also got this new feature that's called Hover Connect, where you can take any of the Hover domains that you purchase and easily connect them to Tumblr, Squarespace, or Shopify. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today. Use our special promo code 100 episodes. That's 100 episodes. And you'll save 10% off your purchase. Not too bad. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, photos, and a whole lot more starting at only $2. They give away a selection of free goods every Monday. Of course, today is Monday. And they've got great bundle promotions every month. And if you see something else you like, use our promo code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. Right now we're at 23 patrons for a combined total of $176 per month. A huge thanks to all of you who continue to pledge month after month. It really, really means a lot because I can take that money and not just improve the infrastructure of the show, but it just gives me more time to focus on the show because I know that I've got the financial backing to really make that happen. So if you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get great access to perks like special giveaways, early access to future episodes and things like that, head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen pledge level started just one dollar per month and speaking of pledging i also want to thank fund club and all of the donors that donated to fund club we were september's pick for fund club Uh, they're an organization which helps fund minority projects in tech and we raised eighty two hundred dollars that's amazing so i again i can take that money put that into the show and do things like hire some writers to create more posts. I know a lot of you have been asking me about that. Revamping the website, 
and just so many more things. So I'm just super excited. Have to thank them. Please thank them. Go to joinfunclub.com and let them know that you support Revision Path as well. All right, so let's get on to this week's interview. I talked with web developer and entrepreneur Marsha Mothersill. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hey, my name is Marsha Mothersill. I am originally a web developer, um, and now I am a business owner and project manager. So I still deal with web development services. So talk to me about your business. Like, What are you doing with that? So I literally just have done all the formalities. I launched everything the ending of last year, December. So everything is just coming through. Basically, what I do is I'm a web developer for my company. It's called Afro Butterfly Limited. <laughs> so I specialize in web development services and project management. So I'm literally coming up now as a project manager. My niche is very much overlooking the whole web development side of things and making sure everything runs smoothly, having a technical eye. So a very close attention to detail. And now is it just you or are you starting this business with other people as well? It's literally just me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When did you have the idea to start your own business? I was probably about 12. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've had this idea since I was probably about 12 years old. The whole of my family are entrepreneurs, so I've literally had it in my blood. So I've thought about it for years of what I would make it. So, yeah, this is it. Okay. Let's go back to that time of you being 12. Was that also about like the first time you started being interested in design and in technology? Okay, so how it basically started. So my dad used to look after me quite a lot when I was younger. And he, he originally started off as a builder. He had his own company. Uh, he used to work in and around London. He used to take me with him. And then eventually she got quite ill when I was younger. And he basically was like, okay, so we have to figure out a way how I can bring you with me whilst I work. So he actually changed over to his hobby, which was a mechanic, and he started working from home. So I could basically be with him at home and he could be with me. And then one day he just showed me this computer device that hooks up to a car and it kind of went from there. I kind of said, okay, this computer, I really like this. So one day I was inside and he brought me a computer and I literally ripped it apart and put it back together again. <laughs> Wow. Um, so that's how it's all kind of started. So I've actually, I'm probably a trained mechanic by now. And also the inside of a computer, I mean, was second nature to me. So I literally taught myself everything from there. Switching it on and actually having a look at how things work, I really was interested in how websites came about. So I decided to try and make my own. I started playing around with HTML, had no idea what it was. <laughs> so it kind of started from there. And then throughout college and uni, I just decided, okay, this is what I want to do. So I decided to find a course that's most suitable to me, and I did multimedia computing. So, yeah, it's definitely just been uh, one thing after the other, just following my passion all the way through. And that was at the University of Westminster, right? Yes. How was the program there? How was your time there? I absolutely loved uni. It's the best years of my life. I was really, really introvert before going to university. I mean, I'm still introvert now, but not as much. I met amazing people. The journey there, I learned so much as well. The journey there was amazing. I've, I've met lifelong friends. Yeah, the, the good thing about college, and I think it's something that we really realize once we've left college, is just how great those years really yeah, were. Yeah, you really appreciate them. I'm telling you, as soon as you start hitting work, you're like, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> best time of my life. <laughs> 
speaking of work, what was sort of the, the first work and things that you did once you left school? I'm thinking in terms of tech or in terms of anything? We'll say anything and then we'll go into tech. Okay, so I started working with, the first thing I did was starting working with kids. I did um, contact supervision and contact support. So I'd go inside um, people's houses and look after, or think of a routine for them to help out with their newborn or their child that, you know, maybe they've had a few problems with or they're now in foster care or just come home from respite care. And contact supervision where I would meet with the child and, and their biological parent and just supervise the contact really that was my mm-hmm. first ever kind of proper full-on job it's very rewarding I absolutely loved it but I knew I had to do something tech <laughs> so the first thing from there I worked at a digital agency it was really random but I learned probably the most I've ever learned in my life in the space of three months <laughs> I was building probably 20 websites a week from templates yeah, and then native, probably about two custom websites a week. Yeah, really put me to my pace. And I think my work ethic came from that first job at that digital agency. And then after you worked at that digital agency, mm-hmm. what was sort of the next move that you made? Um, I did an internship, Thames Valley University, and that was through Sky. So I was in the innovations team and then helped out where I could, building you know little things around the office and you know, we had this amazing thing called the status board. It was so amazing. You could find out so much information just from people's tweets and at the time Squarespace, train times, alarms. It was <laughs> it was very fun to create. So I'd definitely say that was my most creative project. When I first began, that was the thing I always thought, yeah, that was amazing. I really like that. I just want to show everybody. <laughs> And so after that, I know at, at some point you ended up working at ASOS, is that right? Yep, I did. As a web developer, a junior web developer at the time, that was the job I was. I went for just directly and thought, okay, this is where I want to work. I want to try this. It was a challenge for me because at the time I was not a girly girl whatsoever. I was very tomboyish and I thought, okay, the only way I'm going to try and see if I fit into this is do fashion. So <laughs> I went for the interview And I thought, okay, I really like these people. So I thought, okay, maybe this is where I need to be. And when I got the job, I was was ecstatic. It was the biggest thing to me because I used to buy from there. And then I thought to myself, okay, it's very popular. It's a big brand. Everybody knows ASOS as well. So I was, yeah, I was very, (laughs) I was very happy to be there. I spent four years at ASOS. I currently work there now, but I'm on sabbatical leave from ASOS at the moment. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. We spoke about that a little bit before we started recording. So tell me about the sabbatical leave. Is that something that ASOS does just in their company or is this like a common thing that workers can do in London or in the UK? Um, Well, basically, a bit about ASOS's work ethic and culture. It's very youthful. It's very fun. I mean, it's the funnest place I've ever worked in my life. It's all about having a great time whilst you work. I mean... I don't know if I can say too much, but the, being in there, being in the environment, it was just amazing, like partying and the fun and the socializing. It was very big on that. I had to come out of my shell completely and literally just be myself. I met great people there as well. Awesome. So, yeah, from there, I spent about three years actually, you know, developing myself and getting to a good place where I wanted to be in the developing world. 
I got promoted as a, a midweight developer, which was amazing. And from there, I was like, okay, what do I really want to do? I had a lot of challenges, personal challenges. I thought to myself, okay, I need to broaden my horizons so I can be that person I want to be. So yeah, I was looking through the ASOS handbook and I thought, okay, I need to find something that I can do that's different. Either it has to be abroad or it needs to be a career break. And I saw sabbatical leave and I thought, ah, this is amazing. And it was so great timing because it has to be where you were working there for at least three years. And I was spot on three years. So I was like, okay, this is my time. This is for me. So in that time, I thought, okay, I need to figure out what I want to do with all these other dreams as well. It was one of my dreams, obviously, to be a web developer in the industry. I really needed to figure out things with project management, user experience, design, and everything else, uh, new technology. So I thought, okay, now is my time. And that kind of led me on to my next decision. <laughs> From ASOS, actually, right now, I've set up my own business. And I'm now a project manager as well as a web developer. So yeah, mm-hmm. everything is kind of flowing from there. I set up the business and I've decided, okay, like, what my aims for this year, what am I going to do with this? So yeah, everything's in the pipeline. At the moment, can't say too much, <laughs> but there are a few projects I can talk about that, that are coming up next month. Well, I want to get into those projects. I, I yeah. think it's interesting that we're sort of catching you at this this transition period right now Definitely. where you're kind of coming out of four years of working, now going into into entrepreneurship. And I know for a lot of people, making that leap can be very risky. Indeed. Indeed. What sort of made it, I guess, more of a sure fit for you? Was it that sabbatical leave? The fact that you sort of had that, I don't know, that sort of period of reprieve from your job in order to do this? I mean, I definitely needed that time. I had great people around me encouraging me to take that leap. It was a very scary decision. I actually thought to myself, this is probably the best or the worst thing I'm about to do in my life. But it turns out that I'm actually extremely happy about the decision I've made. And I'm very excited. I mean, the opportunities are huge. Since I've decided to go on to sabbatical leave, I've had so many opportunities thrown my way. So I'm really excited about what's to come next. I really feel that it made it concrete having that break and that thinking space made it concrete. Yes, it took a year for me to make that decision, but I feel like I needed that to really open up my mind and think about what it was that I wanted in the long run and not just temporarily or not just for now in my early 20s. I started ASOS when I was 22, I think, so I was fairly young. So I feel like it was, you know, it was a great starting point, absolutely amazing starting point. I mean, there's not a lot of people that can say I have so much fun every week in my job. So, yeah, I really felt like it was perfect timing. And then this sabbatical leave, again, perfect timing. So you said that there were a lot of things that you wanted to learn. You wanted to learn web development. You wanted to kind of learn project management as well. Mm Were those kind of the main impetuses behind you starting your business or did you just like I'm I'm wondering kind of what was the reason for wanting to start? I know for a lot of people, they want to start their own business out of frustration, right? Like they may not really like their job. And so they want to start their own business and do things their own way. But from what you're saying, it sounds like you really enjoyed your time at ASOS. I did. I did. Definitely. ASOS is an amazing place. I wouldn't hesitate to go back and work there again definitely I've kind of left that door open as well so that I can go back and you know the people there are, are really down to earth and very real with me personally the reason why I started this business it's something I've always wanted to do web is everything you know that I've known since I was probably about 12 so 
you know, it's a passion of mine. It kept me focused when I was losing focus, if that makes sense. Like, especially with health side of things, it kind of kept me like, I'll take it back and say, when I was in hospital, the web was the only thing that made that kind of kept me in that line of, right, when I come out, this is what I need to do. So I would make lists upon lists upon lists of all the ideas I've had. And, you know, what's the next thing I'm going to do? What's the next build I'm going to do? And all the next blog post I'm going to write. I did probably about the last couple of modules from my hospital bed in (laughs) uni. It was advised that I shouldn't, but I did. And that's the only thing that kept me going. So I'm actually quite grateful for the people that were pushing me forward saying, yeah, it's fine, you can do this. It was an amazing time for me personally. I do really love, I have a huge passion for the web, like absolutely huge. (laughs) Online media, new technology, everything. So one thing that I'm interested to know about, what is the the London, I guess, design and tech scene? Like, are you finding that you can kind of get a lot of support from the local community as you're transitioning into entrepreneurship? Definitely. I feel I'm actually on quite a few groups using the meetup. It's all about what you're after. If you ask the universe for it, it will come to you. Like, I've literally gone out there and said, right, I need to find something and I've gone out there and looked for that one thing or I've networked for you know using the internet to get off the internet and spoken to new people and just making sure that the people I'm surrounded by are who kind of either I want to be or some certain character traits and stuff like that so I've Mm -hmm. literally just gone out there and thought okay I need to find all these new meetups and these events and then kind of bring them home where I live there's not really much for tech and everything but going in and around London is so easy so you know it's been fairly easy to find these things these events and these networking meetups and you know some people just go hang out with pizza (laughs) and talk about the web there's a lot of easy access it's just about what you are after and if you're willing to go and find it right speaking of kind of this this willingness to go and find it Mm -hmm. One thing that here in the in the states, one thing that's big that a lot of people are talking about in the the design and in the tech communities is about diversity. Mm-hmm. There's always a lot of talk about making sure that events and meetups and conferences and things like that have an adequate number of women, of people of color, et cetera. Yeah. Do you find that this is something that is also kind of discussed a lot in the UK slash London? tech and design scenes or is it not that much of an issue definitely I think it's huge I mean as soon as I started doing web development I went to a lot of meetups for women who code I mean that was huge for me as soon as I saw that there was so many women doing the same thing as I I was I was (laughs) taken back but I went literally and hunted that out because I worked in a male-dominated industry for you know the last six years so I feel that you know it was very necessary for me so I could make sure you know this was something that was for me and I could find people that were similar I also went to events for I guess black women that code as well it was very short-lived I haven't heard much from that for a while but I do know there's ones up and coming not necessarily just targeted at black black women though but there's a lot of women who code groups out there at the moment. I've noticed they're growing hugely. The emails I get about them, it's crazy. I've literally signed up to the majority of them anyway. So what would you say are kind of some of the the most important lessons that you've learned since you've started your business? Oh, definitely be yourself. That's one thing that has got me 
very far. I mean, the clients that I have, a lot of my clients are word of mouth, believe it or not. But, you know, the way that I can bounce off them and they can bounce off me with like the relationship that we have, it's not just about a client-based thing. I can have so much fun whilst talking to them. I can completely be myself. My personality shines when I'm talking to, you know, clients just me and them rather than being an office of 150 people so my introvertness kind of goes away and I'm literally 100% myself in terms of business Rome wasn't built in a day (laughs) it takes (laughs) a lot of work you know you have to be self-motivated which I am I definitely you know strive and wake up in the morning jumping out of bed especially when I think about my business I'm like oh it's something that I own so that's a really amazing feeling to just get up and be like right I'm going to work on something for me today and that's a you know that's a great feeling definitely your work environment you have to concentrate on your work environment or what works best for you when it's okay for you to you know work and when you need to schedule time to just take some time out definitely web development as well I've learned that there's a lot of people with lots of different skill sets. I didn't realize how broad it really was. And when you meet somebody and you think, wow, you know everything, then you'll meet somebody else and be like, wow, you also know everything. Because I would contract out different projects to different developers and also have like a collaboration between designers, developers as well. So I've really kind of, you know, they've opened my eyes to a lot of things. I've learned so much from them as well, which I didn't think I would. I actually thought, okay, I'm going to teach. So yeah, it's really cool to be able to do mentoring. So I do mentor juniors as well. But, you know, learning from people, that's really amazing. Definitely to stay focused. It's really important to stay focused. You can lose your track so quickly. As long as you bounce right back, it's fine. Marketing, I think all that takes care of itself I really feel like that's the most easiest part for me personally because if you tell somebody I'm doing something for me they're like oh my gosh how and instantly they've told three people (laughs) Hmm. so that I found was was really interesting that's interesting you mentioned the marketing part is the most interesting I know from a lot of entrepreneurs I talk with that seems for them to be the hardest part is the marketing like the easiest part is actually doing the design or the development or whatever, but getting out and I guess talking about it and letting other people know about Mm -hmm. it can sometimes be the problem. And you mentioned that you're an introvert, but like when you talk to your clients, your personality sort of shines through. So you found a way to make it work. That's good. Yeah, I I really do feel like it's made me grow as a person. I've completely come out of my shell when talking to clients. (laughs) What are the best types of clients for you to work with? I know you said that you talk, you've gotten a lot of clients through word of mouth. Right. I'm extremely like, it excites me when, when clients challenge me. Normally it's, okay, so do whatever you wish, do whatever you think is best. But I like when clients say, you know, I have this really amazing idea. Can we make this happen? And I'm like, okay, sure. And I find the way to make it happen. That to me is what I live for. I mean, it's an amazing feeling because I'm always... Like as when, when I was younger, I would always come up with these ideas and think, okay, I need to make this happen. So bringing ideas to life is what I really enjoy. If it's not me, then I'll find the right person to do that. And that's what kind of keeps me going. Like, right, I've got to find this person because they really, they specialize in this area. And that kind of keeps me going and makes me think, okay, so I need to get up and find that person today. And that could be anywhere could be in my networking circle or this could be going to a new event to find a different type of developer or designer designers have lots of different styles their own style that they incorporate into design as well so it's really cool to find that right designer for that project 
So talking about projects, how do you sort of approach new design projects? Like say you got a brand new client today Mm -hmm. and they came to you with a project. What are the ways and the steps that you approach that? Firstly, I like to have a face-to-face consultation. That's the first thing. Most of my projects, I mean, is word of mouth, but they always contact me via phone call or email. So, you know, the first point, I'll, I'll definitely have a consultation with them. Then after that, when we walk through everything, I might do some concepts, some design concepts myself. So I'll do wireframing myself and stuff like that, just to give to make sure we have the same model in our heads and make sure you know, the client is going to get exactly what they, the idea of what their, I guess, their business will be. I work with a lot of startups. So to get their idea across is my main aim. So uh, yeah, after the consultation, drawing up, we talk about, you know, everything else that's a little bit unimportant, figures and stats and analytics (laughs) and everything like that. But yeah, just going through and getting the idea is the most important. If I don't catch the idea at the beginning, it makes the project really difficult. So just having that first initial idea is great. After that, I kind of give like, you know, the three iterations process within each process. So so in between like design stages and then development stages, they have three iterations in each section. So yeah, that's really where it begins. So how would you sort of describe your personal design style because it sounds like you're doing web development but you're also kind of doing a little bit of design and you're doing project management you're kind of running the whole show how would you say your personal design style is my personal design is minimalist definitely so with meaning for example if you have a look at my logo it's um a butterfly i really have a thing for butterflies (laughs) my initials in the middle and then parentheses brackets like on the sides for development So that basically says I'm a designer, free spirit with the butterfly, and also I'm a developer. So anything kind of with meaning behind it, I really love like, you know, designing with meaning behind it. It's a must for me. If it has no meaning behind it, I can't really work from it. So I try to also get like with clients, I try to get their background history of why they want to do this startup and why they want to go into this business, what drives them. And that kind of leads me into the right direction. Then I can find the right designer, the right developer for the project. So I know you're just kind of getting started out mm-hmm. with your business and everything. And a lot of people are always kind of taking that leap, getting into entrepreneurship. And, and I'm not saying this to kind of curse you or bring any downfall or anything right. like that. But what is the main reason that you think some people kind of fail to succeed when it comes to this kind of stuff? I really do think it could be allowing your passion to run out. So thinking, so waking up in the morning thinking, okay, I can't do this (laughs) and allowing other people's thoughts to get to you because along this journey, although there are many people that support me, there are also people that are like, how are you doing this? Like, why are you only just getting up now? (laughs) And how comes you're not at work? (laughs) They don't understand it. How come you're able to do these things? That's always the questions I get. But, you know, I've planned this for a while. So, you know, it's just in the making. I feel like speaking to other people that have already done this journey and have gone back to work, I feel it's just because they don't have enough encouragement or words from people and they don't have enough belief in themselves. I feel like I can do anything. (laughs) I don't feel like I could be, things can be put in front of me and I can't do them. I also feel like I've got a very strong team behind me. And even the people that say I can't do things, I'm like, okay, just watch. And that could be anyone, you know, that could be your closest that turn around and do say, 
it's not actually possible. I've tried. Maybe you should just get a proper job. And I'm like, mm, I've done that for six years. Maybe now it's time for me to do what I want to do. And then go back to the, uh, dare I say it, proper job afterwards. But right now, this is what I need to do. This is what I, you know, it's almost like a calling. It is my calling. So who have been some of your mentors that have helped you out along the way? Oh, definitely. My uni friends are absolute troopers, I have to say. <laughs> Shout out to them. <laughs> because they have literally encouraged me from the beginning, from the moment they knew. I guess it was me taking extra modules such as business management, which they knew exactly what I wanted to do. They knew when I come out of uni, that's what I'm going to do. They've seen that journey and every single day, there's two specific people that speak to me every single day and encourage me to keep going. My family are, you know, the backbone of everything. They all own businesses and, you know, have been in this world or are going into this world. And I mean, that support is amazing. My dad, obviously, is, is the main person that kind of encouraged me to do my own thing from a very early age. My son to her own dance company as well. So it's just in the blood. My sister has her encouraging moments with me where she does, Marsh, you're losing focus. Come on, get back on it. <laughs> so she kind of pushes me along the way as well. So, yeah, she's encouraged me. Uh, my mum's a great support as well. She's never turned around and been like, you need to get a proper job or anything like that. So I kind of feel like, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. I do definitely appreciate everybody around me that, you know, encourages me. ASOSs, everybody from there as well, the same thing. They've turned around and said, oh, you're a great inspiration. I wish I could do the same. My manager being like, you're so happy. I've seen you so happy now. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, great call. Great call, Marsh. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay, I have to do this. <laughs> Definitely those people. What's something important that you know now, now that you've sort of went through working and now that you're starting out on your own, that you didn't learn when you were in school? I guess to think outside the box. In school, it's kind of like a, I went to a Catholic school, so it was very much like conformed to the idea of this is how life will be for you when you leave school. These are your options, but they're very minimal. Not necessarily it being like a Catholic, maybe I don't know what other schools are like. I'm just talking about from my experience. But as soon as I went to college, I feel like my, my mind was a little bit open, but university opened my mind the most meeting new people from different cultures and also meeting specific people after I finished uni within the last six years people have turned around and been like you know there's so much more we could be doing and I mean it's just those conversations that you might have with people really randomly that you might meet or extended family or someone you know close to the family that has turned around and said you know these are things that we could do these are the things that are possible and I've turned around and been like okay and, you know, been driven by those specific people to do what I want to do, to do what I always have dreamt of. School did not teach me anything about how to get to where I am now. I've literally found mentors of my own that can that are business owners and have been through the same journey that I've been through and that can help me get to the next level. And it's literally confidence that they've thrown at me every single time. You know, they've been confident in me and my abilities and just said look I know you can do this you know you're on the right path just keep going so yeah definitely you know I've put myself in very different circles so not necessarily the norm people from all different strokes and I feel like I can learn so much from them you know people that aren't even business owners as well they've even said you know maybe you should just 
do your own thing. Maybe there is another way to get to the top. So I've kind of followed through with that. I have a very close friends and family that have always driven me as well. So it's really nice. <laughs> so if you weren't a designer, which uh, it sounds like, I don't know how that would be possible, but <laughs> if you weren't a designer, what do you think you would be doing? Let's put it this way. If I had to redo my whole journey again, I would be a mechanic. <laughs> that's probably that's probably the one thing that I would do. A mechanic? Yeah. Like your father? Yeah, because of the fact that I know so much about cars. I, I love cars to bits. I mean, it's just in me. It's in my blood. I mean, I can service cars left, right and center. Um, What's your favorite car? Oh, okay. So... In terms of, <laughs> so this is the part where I get excited. <laughs> in terms of runaround, I would say the Vauxhall Astra 2000, and the VXR, or the SRA. Um, at the moment, I am driving a a Benz, an A Class Sport. So I really love this car. <laughs> so that, or oh my gosh, there's so many a Spider, or I hate spiders, but just the car Spider. Right. <laughs> there's so many cars that I could. The BMW i8. There's so many. There's so many. Is, is there a is there like a special car that like speaks to you as a designer? It's gonna sound really strange to people that are maybe from London, but yes, there is definitely the SRI Astra. Definitely, because the back of it, the design of it, I've never seen anything like that before, and it speaks volumes. Like it just doesn't. Just walk past it. You don't even have to. You don't even have to start the car. Just walk past it. It's, it's so beautiful. It's an amazing car. I have a thing for cars, definitely. Well, maybe not such a crazy idea. Have you thought about automobile design? Ooh, that's a really interesting point because I've been to certain warehouses and seen how things work, but I've never thought about actually designing. I've thought about you know what parts of different cars I would put together and how I would make the perfect ideal car for me. But I've never thought of actually going forth with that. <laughs> that might have to be something on my list of things to do before I'm 40. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like that marries like both of the things that you're super excited about. You really love cars. You really love design. Indeed. Why not find a way to sort of marry those two things? That's very and, true. Maybe And do automotive design. Indeed. Maybe I'm going to have to start doing all these things and putting that on my list and actually getting it done. I would love to actually, you know, work among, amongst people that design this and see how it actually works and then take my decision from there. Maybe that's something I can follow up after this interview. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One thing that I want to do for the show, because normally I'm talking to web designers and graphic designers and web developers and that's great but i've as i've gone on with more episodes i've started to branch out to really kind of to other parts of design so i want to talk to people that do footwear design oh, or wow. people that do automotive design or things like that because everything that we sort of work and touch with in this world passes through some lens or filter Indeed. of design yeah and so it's important i think to kind of get an idea of just what different types of design are out there that's not just kind of sitting in front of a computer and working in Photoshop, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So what's the, the last thing that you kind of like design just for fun? The last thing I've designed for fun, that would have to be, I actually took on this project because I thought it was, it. you know, I was going to outsource it to someone else, but I thought I would 
do it myself because it was a part of, uh, it was within the family. So this was for a record label that my dad started. I've actually, I did the logo for them. So that was quite a while ago. Since then it has changed. But that was literally the last thing I did. I've been so busy with the business that it's just been like, okay, get getting hands on. Maybe I need to do, you know, rebrand my logo or something crazy. I don't know. I have yet to think about that. <laughs> so one thing I saw while I was kind of going through and doing my research mm-hmm. is that you work with an organization that's called Broken Silence. Oh, yeah. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, sure. So Broken Silence started in 2005. As a child, I met three other people and, you know, we kind of grew up together in hospital and our parents also kind of built relationships with each other. They've been very supportive to each other and everything to get us all to a great part or great position in our life, I would say. Broken Silence kind of started when one of the people um, in the hospital with us actually passed away from complications of sickle cell anemia. So we decided to come together and start a group to, you know, raise awareness for the condition, just making sure that people know about it, how to prevent it from happening and how to support somebody with sickle cell anemia. So I actually have sickle cell anemia myself. And it's really amazing to see when somebody says, oh, my gosh, what's that? And they're really interested. For me, Broken Science was a stage where I could express exactly what it is without feeling kind of, you know, again, introverted about the situation. I was so open about it. It it kind of made me think, oh, my gosh, this is such a positive thing. I could talk about this all the time. I put like literally my heart and soul into Broken Science. We all did and made it absolutely huge. What we did mainly were talent shows so we'll put on talent contests we'll hold auditions in the local area mostly in Brent and then put on these talent contests and get you know the local MPs and the mayor and (laughs) artists such as Deneo English artists and get them in and you know put on these shows just to raise awareness and let people know that it's not all bad it's actually fine to have but we just need to raise awareness and make sure that you know we can build a better life for people with sickle cell anemia we did things like going into parliament at such a young age like 19 I was 19 at the time they're all older than I am I was 19 at the time and we went into parliament with support from MPs that would help us get a question asked in parliament so um MPs Sarah Tether from Brent she kind of you know brought us in and said come on guys let's Ask them a question, what would you like to ask? So we basically put it to them that we wanted adolescents to have free prescriptions so that they wouldn't have to pay, you know, a couple of grand for their medicine, especially if they weren't working, if they've just come out of, you know, childhood, they've got these massive medical, I guess, bills to pay. So, yeah, that got cleared. And now adolescents can get free prescriptions for their illness. And, I mean, it's a, wow. it's a, yeah, it's a great thing. It was a huge thing for us. I mean... We did celebrate that one. <laughs> that was an amazing feeling, you know, for the next generation to have such support as well because we didn't really have that. We had that from our parents, but to have it from, you know, MPs, it's a different a different care of fish. So at the moment we do things like we go into schools and we give talks and hand out packs and leaflets that we've created just to raise awareness and, you know, to help the kids understand what it is and, you know, if there's somebody in the class that has it, what they can do to support or how they can, you know, how they should really be around them. It's not anything that anyone should feel like, you know, oh, I'm a little bit 
different, you know, yeah, cool, you are different, but it's it's fine to be. You don't have to be like everyone else. So yeah, that little extra support and it's really rewarding. I mean, it's amazingly rewarding. Doing the presentations is so rewarding when you see the feedback. It's it's so amazing. I also worked with kids in the school to give a presentation so they would do the presentation that was absolutely awesome the kids took on everything that they learned and projected it back to us as if they were the ones living with sickle so uh, that was you know really rewarding as well it's it's come such a long way I feel like something might happen again next year with broken silence it might I don't know we it's in the pipeline we've definitely come together and spoke about what we want to do next but it's just that we are a lot older now (laughs) we have a lot of different commitments so we have to find that time so definitely next year is going to be something you know to look for broken silence definitely well I think what you're doing with that is is amazing just making sure that you're bringing more awareness Mm -hmm. about the disease to so many people my cousin actually also has sickle cell anemia and I mean it's it's a common disease Mm -hmm. in African Americans I think it's like one in 13 or one in 15 or something like that babies are born with the trait at least so it's important to raise awareness of what the disease is and how it can be treated because it's it's a lifelong illness it's not something that can be cured you um live with it and i've actually met people that are not just you know from a black heritage i've met people that are mediterranean asian like there's so many and i've only met only ever met one caucasian lady but I mean, it's actually there. And I thought, wow, OK, it's not just us. It's it's everywhere. So it's really amazing to to be able to, you know, put it out there and make sure people are aware of it and to treat it just as they treat anything else rather than being like, what's that? Because, you know, there's so much, I guess I, t- I use the term loosely, ignorance about it because it's not taught. So it's really difficult to to go anywhere and be like, oh, sorry, could we just and then have your condition treated in you know the same way as something else like diabetes or any other condition that people might know straight off the bat yeah i'm trying to think of celebrities here in the u.s that actually i can only think of one celebrity in the u.s that i know has it and has talked about it and that's t-boss from tlc my like absolute hero (laughs) 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 indeed i mean when i found out i thought oh my gosh this is amazing I was like, she's like me. <laughs> it was a different world, I tell you. There actually are quite a few celebrities with it, but none that will actually openly speak out. So when she started speaking out, I was absolutely, you know, taken back. And I thought to myself, wow, if she can do this, I can do this. And, you know, it kind of went on from there. I do actually have, funny enough, have a picture of her, a really small one in my room, of uh, just to remind myself, you know, it is actually possible. She's the only female, actually, celebrity that I know that has a sickle. So to me, that's even bigger because it's hard to talk about, I guess, when you're in that position to let people know, you know, I'm still doing this, but I'm getting to where I want to be. That's amazing yeah. for me. It doesn't seem like it's deterred her at all. Like, I remember she had a a reality show, I think it was maybe last year or something, but she had a reality show for a short while. And on the show, she sort of chronicled, you know, the health issues that she was having with sickle cell, but also you got to see that she was just full of so much life and vitality and energy. You know what I mean? Like, so you got to see that it wasn't something that was weighing her down, that she was still going out and living life and making things happen. She was 
Joan back with so many things as well. She was also told she wouldn't be able to have kids, and she I mean she has a beautiful daughter. So, you know, it's something yeah. to me that's something huge, and she's a huge inspiration to me. I mean, she's got she quotes it so much. She always says things about sickle on Instagram, and it just makes it warms my heart to think somebody would say, you know, things about such a minority situation. I guess, but really and truly, it just shows how many people it affects with somebody that's in the limelight. She always says things like she just wants to live, not necessarily, you know, to keep sickle from doing things that she wants to do or she loves to do. She doesn't reckon that it makes her who she is. So I, when people tell her, you know, you've got to slow down, she's quite stubborn with it and she says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just live and do me. So I, I quite like that. I really, that it really inspires me because there's been so many times where, you know, a doctor will say to me, Marsh, you can't do this. You can't do this this time. And I'm like, no, I can. Like, just let, allow me to do this because it's already in me and it's going to happen. <laughs> so yeah. I'm very, you know, determined on that front. I mean, not many people can tell me no. So it's, <laughs> it's quite difficult. So when I see somebody like T-Boz doing that, it just inspires me so much. Well, Marsha, just to kind of wrap this interview up, I know we've talked about a lot of things, but... Where can our audience sort of find out more about you online, find your business, things like that? Okay, sure. At the moment, the best bet is Twitter. So it's Marsha underscore MM for Twitter. Or you can find me at MarshaMothersill.com. Also, on the 1st of October, I'll be doing a Coding London event. I'll be mentoring there for Code Academy. At Google Campus. So if anybody wants to come down to Google Campus, that's also a great place. You actually have to register and we're all fully booked. But <laughs> but you can <laughs> keep in touch with me through there because I will be there quite often. So Google Campus is a great place to find me as well. In terms of the business, afrobutterfly.com. And yeah, so basically if you want to have a chat with me, just go to marshallmothersill.com and there's so many different ways to reach me from there. All right. Sounds good. Well, Marsha, thank you so much for taking time out for this interview. I mean, as I really talked with you and really got to learn about the things that you're doing, Mm -hmm. I mean, I felt that was really inspiring. But then also hearing you talk about, you know, kind of your nonprofit work and then just how that has also influenced just sort of your general approach to life and to design and everything. It's really, really inspiring. So. Thank you so much. Thank I appreciate you for the opportunity. it. opportunity. I mean, it's, it means a lot to me. I absolutely, I absolutely love this. So <laughs> thank you so much. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Marsha Mothersill. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Marsha and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. When it comes out to email marketing, MailChimp makes it extremely simple. They have great reporting and autoresponder features, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names, and they give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Get yourself a new domain or transfer your current domains to Hover, and you can save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code 100EPISODES at checkout. That's 100EPISODES. And lastly, there's Creative Market, which is a marketplace that sells beautiful, ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators from around the globe. Head over to creativemarket.com and pick up those six free goods that are available for free every Monday. And if you see something else that you like, use our discount code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase.
This episode was edited by R.J. Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, this is my tape for you, is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. It not only helps us get new listeners, but I'll even read your review right here on the show. And of course, don't forget to send me your comments for our 100th episode. I need those by October 9th. Mail at revisionpath.com. Make that happen. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit us over at Patreon and become a patron. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.